0: Hi, welcome to Family with Learning Capabilities. I am Tanisha Tias. As mentioned prior to, this is a podcast that prayerfully will help in assisting and providing tools and resources to those families and loved ones that are dealing with children with learning disabilities and being able to navigate uh, more efficiently and effectively through the process. This podcast was born out of my personal journey uh, dealing with a now eight-year-old daughter that was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. Throughout the life of this podcast, you will find several individuals that will join us in sharing their stories, uh, professional perspectives, uh, so that we, in hopes, will be able to provide some support and whole assistance uh, to those families that are dealing with learning disabilities. Today, speaking of, we do have a guest a gentleman that has been instrumental in diagnosing my child with dyslexia and ADHD, Dr. Wyniak of Daybreak Counseling, located in Columbus, Ohio. He is a clinical child psychologist and counselor. Welcome, love having you today.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Yes, indeed. So as I mentioned before, he's been very instrumental in um, diagnosing my daughter um, with ADHD and dyslexia. And I thought it would be awesome to have you uh, on a discussion to give your professional perspective of a few questions that I have, as well as I would assume the audience would have as well. Um, and hopefully be able to give us some better direction, peace of mind, you know, or some nuggets here or there that will help us being able to navigate through the process. So thank you very much for your time, Dr. Wanyak. And um, briefly, you know, tell us what it is that you do, um, how long you've been doing it, and at which point in the process do you typically enter into the process?
1: Well, as you mentioned, Tanisha, I'm a psychologist. This is actually my second career. I spent 30 years working for Franklin County Children's Services and uh, retired from there. I was uh, a good part of the time I was director of foster care. So uh, that was really rewarding, promising work that I enjoyed greatly. Um, But while there, I also uh, went back to school, got my doctorate and license in psychology. And started working uh, part-time while still working in children's services uh, as a psychologist and then graduated into full-time work uh, as a psychologist here in Ohio, uh, Columbus, and uh, so I've been uh, in private practice now for about 25 years even though I'm only 47 to do the math on that.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
1: I just gave away partially my age um, but uh, yeah so I have a private practice and um, been working at that for some time now and, um, uh, work with, uh, children, adolescents and adults of all ages mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, really enjoy, uh, enjoy doing that. So, um, uh, with children, uh, I, I typically, uh, don't do therapy with them, but I like to work with, uh, parents and schools regarding issues related to their education and, um, uh, and adjustment. And so, um, uh, as a part of that, I'll, uh, Uh, do evaluations of children Mm
2: -hmm. who uh, uh,
1: of concern either to parents or teachers or both uh, about their learning issues and how to maximize their success in school both from an academic standpoint and an emotional and behavioral standpoint. So the evaluations can cover a variety of uh, concerns and questions um, and uh, love doing that part.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so typically, what part do you, or what part, point of the process do you enter into uh, assessing and diagnosing these children? Is it when they're young? At, you know, at which point do they come to you uh, for some help?
1: I would say typically, and I've really not done the analysis on this, but uh, off the top of my head, I would say the majority of the referrals that I get come from either parents or teachers, both. Uh, of children who are of the elementary or middle school ages that's um, most frequently when the when the concern begins to develop, uh, either that a student is um, not performing up to expectation academically or they're having some issues related to attention or hyperactivity or mm-hmm. A behavioral or emotional or social adjustment so yes typically and that's the best time to do it early intervention is by far the most profitable and beneficial to the students. Right. So elementary and middle school ages are when I often see these referrals.
0: Okay and you're kind of leading me into a, a, another question and I think a question that a lot of us parents struggle with um, in the beginning stages of diagnosis um, and I know personally you know, there was some things in, that I noticed with my child at the age of three um, that I was questioning, but in trying to find someone to test her or to assess her was very difficult because I kept getting the um, the pushback that she was too young, you know, to be assessed. And I do tr- firmly believe that it's, it's a lot of an easier journey for a child to be diagnosed early on, as early as possible, you know, to it be is. able to manage through it and find some solutions to overcome it. Um, so with that being said, what are some of the youngest children, like the ages that you have um, assessed or diagnosed?
1: I want to say four or five, but that's that's a, a rarity in my experience. Really? I think for the very reason that you've, you've stated, Tanisha, mm-hmm. that most professionals, and parents too for that matter, uh, want to respect the child's developmental curve and, um, and don't want to intervene too early uh, mm-hmm. if, if intervention means uh, a diagnosis and, um, and uh, certain kinds of uh, activity uh but it, it's a two-edged sword because you're absolutely right you know we want to intervene before the habits set in before the discouragement sets in before mm-hmm. the frustration sets in mm-hmm. and um the, the child and the brain is still moldable and we want to take advantage of that so um we, we want to respect the child's developmental uh pace but at the same time we don't want to wait too long before uh things begin to, to set in and and, hap- and habits that are frustrating or uh, kind of begin to to establish themselves
0: exactly exactly so you had mentioned um, that you know it is very uh, more beneficial to diagnose them as early as possible um, without really you know compromising you know the learning curve and, and, and different things of that sort but tell us about you know some of the testimonies or experiences that you've had where you have diagnosed a child early on, and as they progressed, have they come back to you to give you um, some feedback on how they are progressing? I really would like to kind of focus in on a case maybe where you may have diagnosed a child with what, sh- what learning disability at a very young age that has um, you know, grown up and being able to come back to you to give you some feedback on how they're doing. Can you give us an example or two of that?
1: Sure, I've had several instances where a child comes in and uh, the child is referred for an evaluation because of, uh, the, you know, she's not performing or he's not performing up to level of expectation. And by that we mean grade level, primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the child is placed in the second grade, we would expect the child to be reading and doing math and writing at a level consistent with that grade level and with the child's age. but. Often times the child is not. And so um, I'll I'll recommend uh, uh, we'll do the evaluation and let's say that the data bears that out, the child's behind, so then I make recommendations. The recommendations then are both applicable to the home where the the parent can hopefully uh, intervene and, and set aside some time to help the child practice some of the fundamental skills that are needed. And then of course in the classroom, the, the best place really is at home sure. because as you understand and I do too having raised some children of, of our own my wife and I uh, You're talking about a classroom with 20 30 or sometimes even 40 or 45 students mm-hmm. And can the can the teacher really give adequate attention uh, to the child however uh, there have been a number of instances in my in my practice where um, I've given recommendations both to the parent and the teacher there's been some great follow-through and then typically We do reevaluations about every three years or so just to see if what kind of progress if any the student has made and if the um, If the service plan or in the case of public schools the individualized educational plan has been put into effect Is mm-hmm. that still need is that still needed or has the child caught up and it is possible to, to catch up there was a a day and time when we didn't necessarily believe that uh, you know that that was so possible but really? now we understand there's a thing called neuroplasticity which means the brain too just like muscles the brain too can grow and develop and uh, develop new capacities or and strengthen old ones to the point where uh, the child can perform at a higher level and I I've, and I've, I've seen that and it's been so gratifying you know when I come back uh, when, the, the, when the mother and the father come back and the child is due for reevaluation, and we do the testing again three years later, and I find out there's been some substantial progress. And uh, good news is, there's substantial progress. Bad news is, if you want to call it that, there's no need for any more intervention, mm-hmm. a special intervention. And that's a really good thing because the child feels normalized, and we all like to feel normal. So, yeah, that's happened. Uh, and, and, and the real key factor there is, is the extent to which both the school and tutors and parents can really uh, dig in and make use of of good practice uh, activities for the student to strengthen those uh, cognitive capacities?
0: Okay, okay, that is awesome to hear because you know, just personally, you know, I've read a lot up on you know these learning disabilities, and and you know we been told more oftentimes than not, that this can be a lifelong challenge, you right. know? Um, so it's really gratifying and very <laughs> happy to hear that it there can be instances where a child with the right things enforced and, um, you know, implemented that they would be able to overcome, um, right. you know, these learning disabilities. And that's something that I'm, you know, going into this New phase of my life and, and you know with the podcast and all is trying to offer up a, a more a positive outlook you know or forecast nice. that we can not just don't need to have to just manage through these yep. learning disabilities but there we can indeed overcome so right. um, that is something that it sounds like you have actually witnessed and experience in some of the child cases
1: okay yep. And it's it's so gratifying, so occur- encouraging, and uh, it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, like anything worthwhile, it takes commitment, right? It takes uh, it takes uh, effort, it takes discipline. But uh, if we have uh, a decent amount of that, and we uh, apply that over time, uh, good results pay off. They happen.
0: Okay. Okay. So, key words is it. It, it does take some work.
1: <laughs> it does. It right. Does. <laughs> Usually anything of value takes work. I wish there were another way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're lucky and blessed, you know with uh, with absolute grace, but a lot of times it's just uh, working it out.
0: Okay, yeah, and and that's definitely something that I think some parents, I know well me personally at least, um, you know, we weren't sure about the amount of work that was required until after we got the diagnosis and then we start exploring. Uh, different options that were available, which we, and that was one of the reasons why I created this podcast, because I wasn't quite identifying enough resources or programs in place that would really help my child. And the ones that were in place were quite expensive, Dr. Yeah, You know, so um, it's, it's been a frustrating, you know, process, but you know, now we are just now coming up on a program Uh, that's being offered actually through her school thank goodness (laughs) you know that um, is the main objective is to retrain the brain you know so and that's really what it takes Um, you know there's a lot of ignorance I think that surrounds learning disabilities and Mm -hmm. that's something that we definitely you know I I will definitely go into but um, you know there's a lot of um, ideas that because you have a learning disability you know, you're, you're stupid or, you know, you're not smart. And that's something that I had to go through and being able to get, you know, her other, her father on board, you know, when I started to notice some of these trends and and challenges and trying to locate you know some resources to be able to test her. You know, his mm-hmm. response was constantly, you know, my child is not stupid. You know, no. and um, you know, and I think that really prevents a lot of people from from taking their child to be tested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what is your um perspective on, you know, the ignorance that basically surrounds these learning disabilities?
1: Well, that's a great that's a great question because you're right. There is some uh Uh, misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is participating in it, thankfully, but there are some who do have the impression that because a student's reading level is below grade level or below the level of expectation based on his or her age, that there's some ignorance involved. But but we're we're talking about an impairment. um, And we're not talking about a fundamental lack of intelligence here, because by definition, um a learning disability is uh, is a condition that applies to persons of, a, of average intelligence or above mm-hmm. and so we're not talking about below average intelligence we're talking about average or above intelligence
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so it's it's an impairment um uh, it's um it's I, I liken it to uh the, the the possibility that a house may have good uh water pressure but if something, uh, let's say it's a hose outside, if something inadvertently got into the hose and is blocking the hose, it's not about the quality of the water or the quality of the uh, of the water pressure. It's about uh, something that's blocking the, the pathway and preventing the good expression of water and water pressure from from realizing itself. So, yeah, that's a that's. Uh, an issue that needs to be addressed Mm -hmm. and uh you know there's understandably some frustration and uh, even sometimes sadness over over difficulty achieving at certain levels um and so we have to clarify that that, um, it's not about it's not about a low level of intelligence it's about an impairment
0: okay that's good to hear i'm sure for a lot of parents out there that are struggling with you know with that whole idea of of their children having a learning disability, um, mm. let's back up a little bit. Um, what typically, after you have diagnosed ch- these children, um, what typically are your treatment algorithms or recommended treatment algorithms?
1: Well, I, 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 it depends largely on the kind of learning disability that we're talking about. Okay. You know, when it comes to when it comes to students. Who are uh, served uh, in public schools or in private schools with uh, individualized educational plans as they're known IEP in the public school or service plans as they're sometimes known in private schools uh, there are a variety of disabling conditions or impairments that fall underneath that umbrella making the student eligible for special services accommodations tutoring um, th- by, by far the largest subcategory among students who are eligible for those uh, IEPs or those service plans are those with learning disabilities, specific learning disabilities. They make up about a third of all students who are eligible for IEPs or service plans. Uh, The remaining uh, categories of students who are served in these ways include those who have speech or language impairments. And they make about uh, about a fifth or so, almost 20% mm-hmm. of all those who uh, are eligible for, as I said, IEPs or service plans.
2: Okay.
1: Um, another, the, the third largest category are those who are in the category called Other Health Impaired. And uh, that's a category that has a, a variety of uh, conditions that, that are in it, among which are those students who have ADD or ADHD. Okay. So ADD is attention deficit disorder, predominantly inattentive type or attention focused distractibility is the main issue. Mm-hmm. AD, ADHD is typically that and hyperactivity or impulsivity. Um, and then there are a number of other s- smaller categories uh, including conditions like autism, developmental delay, intellectual disability, emotional disturbance and uh, hearing impairment. Uh, the smallest category, but still one that exists there is are those students that have an orthopedic impairment. They uh, maybe have cerebral palsy or something of that nature. Okay. But, uh, but within that largest category called specific learning disabilities are three kinds of learning disabilities. You've already mentioned one commonly known as dyslexia. Um, that's the common, commonly used term. Uh, for what is essentially a a student who has trouble reading Uh, either reading words and pronouncing them correctly or uh, reading comprehension by far the largest um, problem or issue within that category called dyslexia is reading comprehension and that's the and that among professionals is the term that we use more than any other term is a disorder specific learning disorder or disability in reading or reading comprehension we don't really use the term dyslexia that much anymore I don't particularly mm-hmm. um, only because uh, dyslexia is commonly thought in a very narrow sense meaning the reversal of letters or numbers
2: okay right but
1: but, but that's uh, while that problem exists um it exists in a fairly small percentage of students who have reading problems. By far the biggest uh, issue is reading comprehension. In, in, in my experience, and I think across the board, among uh, other uh, educational specialists and psychologists like myself. Mm-hmm. So um, to, to get to your question, the treatment is determined first and foremost by the specific nature of the diagnosis. So for a student who has a Diagnosis of a specific learning disorder or disability in reading or reading comprehension. This is where the educator comes in, Uh, the special ed teacher, especially. Okay, Mm -hmm. these are the folks who have gone to school and gotten their education in in this area of uh, of uh, learning disability, and they have a whole variety of uh, tasks and activities and learning objectives that they Interject at this point, um, and that's that comes into play with with the development of the IEP, the Individualized Educational Plan, or the Service Plan. So that's typically a second meeting mm-hmm. uh, that is conducted. The first meeting is one that establishes does the student have a diagnosable condition or not. Um, so that's so. Um, in terms of specific activities and recommendations, that's where I begin. I hand the baton over to the educational specialist, the okay. special ed teacher. Right. okay, and, uh, and they will then convene a second meeting um, that uh, is conducted typically with the parent and teachers and the special ed teacher and oftentimes the principal to lay out in, in detail uh, what are the nature of the activities that we're going to be doing at school in the special tutoring sessions mm-hmm. and the parent might do at home. Uh, typically, I, a lot of it is just practice. I wish there were a more exciting word than practice, <laughs> but that's often what it is. Practice what? Reading with the tutor or uh-huh. and the parent um, and, um, develop, and reading at typically a lower than current grade level uh, station, okay, where the where the student, let's say the student is placed in the fourth grade. Well, what I recommend is let's, without trying to embarrass or humiliate the child, let's start reading at the second grade level Mm -hmm. where you can experience success. We want what is ordinarily an unhappy and unsuccessful experience to be one where it's, it's uh, marked by success and contentment and praise Mm -hmm. and rewards. Uh, So we want to bump it down to a lower level. but that's one of three kinds of specific learning disabilities, reading comprehension or reading, otherwise commonly known as dyslexia. Uh, two other common kinds of learning disabilities uh, are uh, in mathematics or numerical operations.
0: Okay, right? talk about otherwise that one. Dis- <laughs>
1: well, we, we, put the, we put the fancy word in there. We call it dyscalcula, okay?
2: Okay.
1: Uh, dyscalcula, and uh, that's a learning disability in mathematics. Hmm. Right. Uh, The last and and other common one is called dysgraphia or disorder of written expression. This uh, has to do with a number of sub possibilities, which include problems with spelling, grammar, mechanics uh, and things of that nature where sentence structure uh is is not adequate or the use of words is not adequate Mm -hmm. so that's dysgraphia or disorder of written expression so three main kinds of learning disabilities many times uh attention deficit with hyperactivity disorder either ADD or adhd is also thought to be as a learning disability but technically um, it doesn't fall in the category of specific learning disabilities. Yeah, that's
0: what I had read. It's in a,
1: mm-hmm. it's in a category of its own, mm-hmm. okay? Um, but that's, that's kind of a minor point. Um, but honestly, um, it's among, among one of the most common reasons that students are referred for uh, an evaluation of this kind. We call it psychoeducational evaluation. Okay. Um, because the student does have problems with uh, remaining free from distraction, Giving sustained attention, organizing things, not losing things, not, not failing to be able to concentrate, mm. um, along with hyperactivity and impulsive. It Cancer is still long enough to, to focus my attention on my schoolwork. Indeed. <laughs> so, those are, I would say those are the big four.
0: Okay, that's good. And so, then um, typically, once you've diagnosed them, obviously you have mentioned that there are certain programs and, uh, consistency of practicing, uh, to be able to help them. Um, where does, you know, medication fall into, you know, your treatment recommendations?
1: Well, that's another great question. And honestly, it's, um, it's a point where, um, a lot of thought discussion needs to be, uh, needs to be given to it because, yeah. um, you know, as soon as you introduce medication, you introduce, unfortunately, as we know from all the commercials on television about medication. Side right? effects. Side effects. <laughs> yes, and indeed. Who wants to have a side effect? Right, right. But what I like to say is the right medication is the kind that treats the issue without intolerable side effects. Mm-hmm. And if if, this, if the condition is not being properly treated, in other words, if I don't have experienced an increase in my attentiveness or a decrease in other uh debilitating emotions that i experience such as anxiety or sadness or obsessions sometimes that's a factor Mm. and i also don't experience side effects such as sleep problems or eating problems or fogginess that's the right medication but a lot of parents, and I understand it, are reluctant to give their young child medication.
0: I was one of them. Uh, no.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I get that completely, and I think uh, uh, I, 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 I don't object to that at all. As A parent has got to do the right thing by their child. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times, though, when medication can really do the job. And what is that mm-hmm. all about? Uh, with attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, Uh, stimulants are often given because we're trying to stimulate that part of the brain that is for lack of a better term kind of groggy lethargic uh, not working up to speed so to speak and so stimulant is what's needed to awaken that part of the brain to do the do the job that's needed so that the the student can be more focused and and can pay attention right um, and and control some of the behaviors that are interfering with concentration
2: hmm hmm it's a highly
1: individualized um, matter though and one that is uh, ultimately in the hands of the parent now um if the parent is particularly diligent then we have brain training that's an option yes um, but you know I was kind of as I was mentioning earlier that we're trying to take advantage of the brain's ability to grow and develop neuroplasticity mm-hmm. um, now that may sound daunting and in some respects it is but I, I tell parents if you can uh, somehow carve out 15, 20, 25 minutes a day, five days of the week, when the child is not particularly tired or overwhelmed, and the child has had adequate playtime and, and food and rest time, then that 20, 25, 15 minutes a day could go a long ways towards developing these capacities that we want to improve on. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Awesome.
0: Well Dr. Wena, we have come to the end of our session. I'm telling you you have provided some really good feedback and um, you know some really good knowledge that I'm hoping that you know the audience will be able to take away a nugget or two that just can assist. You know and us and navigating you know through this journey and i'm telling you we're gonna have to bring you back <laughs> because right. there's What's a lot check? more to this that we want to hear now um families out there if you have any questions uh concerns i am in the preliminary stages of uh launching this podcast so there are certain platforms that need to still be put into play but if you do have any questions or concerns or comments definitely send them to my personal email because that will assist in being able um, to get additional guests in the future that will be able to answer these questions and send them to tanisha.tyas at yahoo.com that's t as in tom en as in nancy E-S is in Sam, I-A dot Tias T as in Tom, Y-U-S as in Sam at yahoo.com. Thank you once again, Dr. Wynak, and uh, we will be in everything. touch for sure. And if you need any assistance with assessing or testing your child, please head out to Daybreak Counseling. Uh, he is an awesome, um, you know, medical doctor that will be able to help. Uh, you just as he has us and being able to, you know, navigate through the preliminary stages of this journey. So stay tuned. And uh, we will have some additional episodes that will be coming out and launching to the platform. Um, And please continue to listen to families with learning capabilities through wherever you get your podcast from. And uh, thank you for your time stay encouraged and we will talk soon thank you
1: good job tanisha very professional